Shut up and sit down. Welcome to the Roofer Report, brought to you by Roofer.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Roofer Report. I am your host, Pete McKendrick, and a very interesting guest today. We kind of kept it in-house. You know, we've been transitioning to this storytelling approach, I guess, of finding out where roofers have come from. And, uh, you know, obviously, as many of you know, the face of Roofer for a long time on uh, social and, and every place else has been our very own Matt Radford. So excited to have Matt on today to do the same and kind of give us a little background on himself and, you know, how he came into this industry and, uh, you know, just a little bit of his knowledge. And uh, so super excited to have you, Matt. Thanks for having me on here. And and I can't wait to tell my story. I don't know how far (laughs) back you want me to go. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it. uh, As Highbacker put it, we'll we'll do the sugar-coated version, right? So we don't have to get too in-depth, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it a little bit. Like, obviously, you know, I don't think anybody grows up as a kid thinking like, hey, man, I hope I get to work in the roofing industry when I grow up. So, <laughs> you know, so go back a little bit, I guess, and, you know, as back as far as you want to go and All right, talk so about let's... like how, you know, how you kind of came to be where you're at in the or into the roofing industry, at least to start with. And then obviously, uh, you know, further on down the road, ended up here at Roofer. So. So let's start there then. Let's start with what I wanted to be when I grew up as a kid. <laughs> There was two things that I really wanted to be. One was an oceanographer. I I love swimming. I love the water. And I wanted to take pictures in the ocean. That and Indiana Jones was like my hero in the 80s. So I wanted to be an archaeologist. So those were those were my dreams growing up. But, you know, life happens and what you want to be. It never it, it sometimes turns out, but not always. So for me, like we were like a normal family growing up in the eighties. Like I was into BMX biking and He-Man and, and Star Wars, of course. And of course the Smurfs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Alf, I actually have a talking Alf here from 1986 on my desk. The original. Um, you remember, yeah. I remember that show. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But uh, yes, yeah, so we were gr- a normal family growing up in the eighties. And then in 87, my little brother passed away of cancer. So I was 10 years old and he was five years old. So after that, um, you know, it's tough losing a kid. So my parents split up, they started drinking and, and our family fell apart after that. So, um, I think around 15 or 16, I went out on my own. I started drinking and stuff myself, dropped out of school. This is, you're seeing a pattern here. This is, this is leading <laughs> towards roofing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts <laughs> off. So I started drinking heavily, and then I became a roofer. Um, <laughs> very, very similar story, right? <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't have a prison record. Not yet. I'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> yeah, to keep it to keep it short, um, you know, I I dropped out of school and um, I started partying hard and everything. And then in my twenties, actually, I started to get into web design. This is like around 1999. Um, I taught myself HTML and Java, and I created a Star Wars website. It's still live on angelfire.com. It's it's awful, but it's uh, a lot of the links are broken and stuff, but it's still there. And uh, so I started dabbling in web design. The dot-com boom was happening around the same age as me. So you remember like that whole 1999 to 2000 era. And um, 
I started dating a girl at the same time, and her dad was a roofer, her stepdad. And his dad actually owned the company. It was a, a company in Peterborough, Ontario, that did industrial commercial flat roofing. So I started dating his daughter, and he's like, oh, you know, the internet, that's just a fad. That's not going anywhere. You know, you can't do web design. You need to get a real job if you want to date my daughter. So I started roofing, and I gave up. I probably could have been, you know, the, the next Facebook or something, you know. But <laughs> instead, I got, I got, a, <laughs> yeah, I got out of web design and and uh, I started doing industrial commercial flat roofing while still drinking and partying and all that stuff. And uh, you know that that came along with it too. Um, yeah, so I started on my first job was the Canadian Canoe Museum in Peterborough, Ontario, and. I don't know if you've ever worked on a flat roof, but there's this stuff in the asphalt called pitch. It's in the paper, pitch paper. And it can literally, like, it'll burn your skin off if you get too much of it on. So I, I didn't know this. So there's that. And then there's three inches of fiberglass insulation, that yellow stuff underneath yeah. the asphalt. So we're tearing this stuff off. And I got it all over my hands. I, I got my shirt off and I'm like, oh, look at me. I'm big, tough guy roofer my first day on the job. Well, man, if my eyes weren't swollen shut by the time I went home, <laughs> it was the worst job ever. But my my girlfriend's dad at the time, he had the idea that, you know, you go and work your first day on the crappiest roof and the rest of your career will be so easy. And he's, <laughs> he's, he was, he was right. You know, yeah, we did, yeah. e, we did EPDM and, uh, and, uh, TPO and stuff like that. And then I was a laborer and I worked my way up to the kettle man and I was doing uh, hot asphalt running the kettle. So how long did you commercial roof? I did that for 14 years, commercial oh, wow. and industrial flat roofing. Yeah. We, uh, we started to move away from doing the hot, um, asphalt, BUR, like doing four ply mop down and stuff like that, and doing more TPO and EPDM. Uh, we kept doing the hot mop mainly for repairs on a lot of those older buildings and stuff like that. But uh, we moved to more, you know, cold process single ply systems. And I really enjoy doing that. When you have a crew that works like clockwork, like we would all get up on the roof and start ripping. And then some guys would go back and start, you know, sweeping. And then the other guys would go back and start laying the vapor barrier. And then, you know, we just keep laying the insulation, then laying the plates and then screwing the plates down. And we just would flow like clockwork. When you have a really good crew that works together like that, it's phenomenal. It's very rare though. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, when you do, when you find those people that <clears throat> kind of complement each other, you know, I worked, I did a lot of, uh, early on, I did a lot of commercial trim. So we would do like interior trim uh, on, I say commercial, but it, it was like track homes. Right. So we call it the commercial trim cause you're just production trim, whatever you want to call it. So we were just like pumping them out, you know, like we're, we're in one, a house for eight hours. And then the next day we're in another house, like trim the whole entire thing, windowsills, doors, you name it, we did it all, but it's the same idea. Like we had a really small, but very well-oiled machine as a crew and you come in and everybody just kind of knows their, their piece of the puzzle. And, just goes to it and transitions when they're supposed to transition. And, yeah. you know, it just makes your day so much easier and so much smoother. And it actually does make the day enjoyable, you know, because you know, everybody's going to take care of what they need to take care of. And uh, yeah, you don't, you don't even need to ask that one guy to go get the coffee. He just nine o'clock exactly. time to go get the coffee. <laughs> he knows exactly what everybody wants. He yeah. shows up with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how that works, but yeah, yeah, like you said, it is fairly rare though to find a crew that meshes like that and, and works well together. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so did you, at that point, did you kind of think like, this is where I'm going to be? Like, I'm just going to be a commercial roofer from here on out. Well, from there, actually, I got my girlfriend pregnant and uh, had to pay the bills. So there it was like, well, you know what? I think I'm, I'm here now. Yeah, now um, I don't have a choice, right? <laughs> yeah, and I actually, I actually sobered up for four years. So I quit drinking and partying and stuff when we had our first son. Um, but that relationship didn't work out. And um, we broke up. I ended up drink, starting drinking again. She, she moved away and got custody of my son. And I continued to roof in, uh, in Peterborough. Uh, working for her dad's company. Actually, I went and worked for her uncle's, her her dad's uncle's company, and her dad came over too. Um, with that company, uh, I started doing more residential repairs and getting into the residential side. I was still doing some commercial flats, but um, they bought me a company truck. Um, it was it was my truck. They bought it for me, um, so I got to keep it and everything. It was really, really good. It was a GMC Jimmy, really fun little truck. <laughs> they're, they're little, they're powerful. Like I, you can really, we get a lot of snow up in Northern Ontario. And I remember one winter we had like two and a half feet of snow and uh, my boss's house is where he worked out of. He didn't have a shop. So he just had like a big driveway and everybody else's trucks were like spinning out. And I just drove and plowed right through the snow in that Jimmy, man. It was a, it was a tank, but so I started doing service calls for uh, Feeney Roofing in Peterborough, and um, that was a lot of fun, driving around and just doing repairs here and there. And if the roof couldn't be repaired, sending the lead back so it could be quoted to have a, uh, you know, full replacement. And this is going back like, you know, 2006, 2007. So we didn't have like software like Roofer where you could like, you know, do your measurements and create your proposals yeah. and stuff like that. So we had to physically measure everything it was it was tough times back then you know it was uphill both ways That's right. you know? <laughs> but um yeah so i started doing that and uh, i learned a lot about the residential side of things learned you know, i got um, certified by certain teed um, for attic ventilation learned how to calculate like net free ventilation area and and create a balanced system between intake and exhaust and all that wonderful stuff. When you get into that actual science of, of roofing, that can be pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting, uh, you know, industry, uh, obviously I was more of a GC, right? Like I didn't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do a lot of roofing. We had obviously roofing subs that came in and did a lot of the roofing on projects we were on. So we were involved in it, but not like actually getting up there and roofing. You know, I was more, uh, you know, building the structure prior to the roof going on, but, and then finishing the inside. But, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, even for us, it was very manual, right? Like everything was done very manually. You know, I remember spending hours looking at blueprints and, and doing takeoffs and, yeah. you know, figuring out what we would need to call in an order. And, you know, it just being like so labor intensive to get any part of the project done and, you know, managing your people and who needed to be where and, you know, there was no automation to it at all. It was just all done manually or via the phone, you know? So, uh, so it is interesting to see how, you know, this industry has evolved and just construction in general has evolved. So, uh, I find it interesting though, that you guys are doing repairs because I think even to this day, that is a fairly overlooked piece of a lot of roofing companies, right? Like it's a piece that, you know, some companies are just absolutely killing it. Like I know there's companies that, you know, 
almost half of their profit comes from doing repairs, you know? So the fact that back then you guys had kind of cracked that code and, and were already doing repairs and, and figured out that that was a big part of the success of the company. Yeah. Know, I find that to be pretty rare back then probably. Right. It was, it was very, very rare, but it was huge and it's a good way to generate leads. And I'll get back. Cause I actually worked for a company called Mr. Roof Repair, but that's later on in the progression of my story here. Um, <laughs> so don't jump ahead. Hold on. That's let's right. circle back. All right. So I was doing repairs for Feeney Roofing. They bought me a truck, the GMC Jimmy, and I had continued drinking and I started to get into um, pills. You know, you get prescribed pills for pain. You got knee pain from being a flat roofer and back pain. So I had pills prescribed to me and I became addicted to them and uh, started drinking really heavily. And I ended up crashing my truck one night in a snowstorm. So I lost my license, lost my job. And um, there was this time where I was homeless, like I had no place to live. I was crashing on people's couches. Um, I ended up on the streets of Toronto playing money, you know, playing my guitar for money and uh, just trying to scrape a living out of that. Um, so that was a dark time. That was a really dark time in my life where I don't, I don't roll out. It was a few years, you know. Um, so that was uh, after I crashed my truck. And then I met my wife. Jennifer, she wasn't my wife then yet. <laughs> we weren't married and then we met. That's not how things work. <laughs> so I met Jen and um, we started dating and uh, we were actually at a Blue Rodeo. I don't know, a lot of Americans haven't heard of Blue Rodeo, but mm -hmm. they're a fantastic Canadian band. Uh, if you want to look them up, they're amazing. And we went to a concert, an outdoor concert, and I had ordered uh, a couple of tall boys at Coors Light and I was standing there with my beers. And um, Jen basically said, listen, I'm going home and you can choose to stay here and drink or throw those beers away and join me. And um, that was it. I threw them away. I stood there and thought about it for a minute. You know, I'm sure. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> now, and then I tossed, tossed those beers and, uh, and, and followed her home. And uh, we got married later that year. I had quit drinking, sobered up and then, uh, I started working for a roofing company in Barrie and um, I had realized that because I had been a few years, uh, I tried, I went back to commercial roofing and after being out of commercial industrial roofing and then doing roofing repairs and then being homeless for a few years, I was really out of shape. So those guys <laughs> almost killed me on the first day. We went up to remove pea gravel off of uh, an asphalt roof and they were old school, like, push brooms and shovels into freaking wheelbarrows there was no like vacuuming the pea gravel off the roof so i went up there and it was august in mississauga and uh yeah i worked up there for about three days and you know i said that was it <laughs> you know so uh i got into doing um i worked for a wheelchair company uh called um, i forget the i forget the name of motion specialties and we did like mobility devices and stuff like that um and uh I worked in their service department and got really familiar with using different types of computer software in warehousing for, um, you know, even placing orders from suppliers and vendors and um, taking care of inventory. Um, on top of that, I was also partially responsible for scheduling the repair people to go out into the field and do repairs on wheelchairs or like electric uh, elevators and stuff like that, um, all for accessibility. So that was a really cool job. Didn't pay a lot though. And I was the uh, 
the sole breadwinner of uh, of our family. You know, we had our new baby, me and Jen, and um, we had Sebastian. So we ended up moving to Norwich. Is there any questions about that period of my life yet? Because <laughs> I'm going to go on to the next chapter. On to the next chapter. Let's go. On to the next chapter. All right. So yeah. we moved from Barry, and I got away from the mobility devices. I learned a lot from that industry, though. Uh, one of the main things that I learned is that um, when a company is charging things to the government or to an insurance company rather than directly to the consumer, they drastically inflate their prices. Hmm. So <laughs> I learned that even in the mobility and I thought I, would, I was disgusted by it. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go down that, uh, that rabbit hole. Um, so then we moved uh, to Oxford County, Ontario, and I started working for a company building barns. And um, funny thing is, I'm a roofer and I've been roofing for a long time. I have horrible balance. So <laughs> I can walk on a flat roof and like on a six or an eight, 12, but you put me on anything steeper than that and I get a little bit wobbly. And uh, so you could try to picture me walking on trusses where there's no sheeting or anything on the roof yet. So that I lasted about three weeks doing that. And I said, you know, I'm, that's enough for me. And uh, that's when I started doing, um, I got back into commercial flat roofing for a company called Great Northern Insulation. And uh, they're a fantastic company. They had a sub, uh, subsidiary called Enertech. And Enertech sprayed spray foam, three-pound spray foam, on commercial flat roofs. And then we coated it with, um, it, was, it wasn't silicone. Um, it's like an elastomeric. I forget what it was called. But, uh, and then we blow the granules in it. And I did that for a couple of years. That was actually a cool job. But the only thing I didn't like about that was a lot of the times they quoted to um, go over top of the flat roof. And that's common for the SPF system. It's like a money saver. Don't tear off your roof. Right. We'll spray the foam over it and, and recoat it. But, you know, if there's wet insulation, see, we did a couple of those um, in the winter and we would spray the spray foam over top. And then in the spring, there was frozen water underneath the roof in the insulation. It yeah. thawed out and pissed down inside the building. So, um, wasn't a big fan of that. It's great if you tear the roof off, though. If you tear the roof off and then lay your, your spray foam down. We did one where we sprayed three-pound um, spray foam on the roof. And then once it cured, we fully adhered EPDM over top of it. So it was really cool. But it looked like the face of the moon. <laughs> it's all full of craters and, and lumps and hills and stuff. So... Uh, I got laid off because that was mainly, you know, busy during the spring and summer and then into fall and early winter. But then December, January, and then into February, there was no work. So I got laid off in December and I started working for their attic division, doing attic insulation, blowing in cellulose and, uh, and fiberglass at Great Northern Insulation. And I did that for a few years. Um, and again, I learned a lot there about ventilation and insulation. So now I learned about like building codes for our values and how to quote insulation jobs and stuff like that. So now I had the experience to know the entire roofing system from the ceiling right to the peak. So I knew all, and I still know everything about the intake ventilation, the exhaust ventilation, insulation levels, how to create a balanced attic and a balanced roofing system. 
um, people talk about a roof and being a roofer and putting on a roof, but they don't understand that the roof is an entire system that includes all of those aspects, insulation, ventilation, everything. And if it's out of balance, it can literally suck energy out of your house through the roof. And that drives up your, your energy costs and your energy consumption and all kinds of things. Right. So yeah, I, I had, I learned, I got a lot of value of learning uh, of working from uh, for great Northern installation, but again, you know, I was getting older and when you're crawling around in somebody's attic in August, it's hot, man. And yeah. you know, it's hard on the <laughs> knees and, and I started, like, I still had bursitis and a little bit of arthritis in my knees from flat roofing. So um, I couldn't do it anymore. So I started my own roofing company. Yay. I'm a roofer. I should know how to run a company, right? Well, no. <laughs> No, there's a lot to a lot more to running a company than than just being a roofer. I'll tell you one thing though. I was really good at branding. I was really good at marketing. I was really good at roofing, but I was really bad at paying my taxes. <laughs> so, um, and apparently when when the government owes you money, they can take as long as they want to pay you. But that, that doesn't work the other way. No, it sure doesn't. When you owe the government money, if you don't <laughs> yeah. pay it, they just take it right out of your bank account. So I ended up having a few customers' uh, deposits for uh, shingles in my bank account. And the Canada Revenue Agency, which is the equivalent of your IRS, IRS I guess, yeah. came and just sucked all the money right out of my bank account, took all my back taxes, and I went to pay for their materials one day, and the money was gone. It was awful. The worst feeling ever I ever had in my life. And I slumped back into a depression. I ended up going bankrupt. And oh, man, it was, again, another dark time in my life. I have I have quite a few of those. <laughs> no more, yeah, I though. <laughs> I think it's an interesting point, though, you know, because I think that it is drastically underestimated, right? Like what it takes to run a business. Um, you know, I've run a few. I was a well, I owned a landscaping business. I owned a contracting business. And I can tell you one of the reasons why I don't own a business right now is because of the amount of work and stress that is involved in running a business. Yeah. I mean, there's just, especially when it's you, right? In the beginning when it's just you and you're you're trying to do all of it, like you said, there's some things you do really well, uh, you know, and then there's other things that fall through the cracks or maybe you just don't have an understanding of or you're just not good at them. Uh, you know, and if you don't quickly find a way to cover those or hire somebody who can handle that kind of stuff, like it can become challenging very quickly. Uh, well, you know, it, I was, it, it, I was it, young it, when I did it and it, you exactly. know, I, I made a ton of mistakes, right? Like looking back now, being the age we are now, you know, I look back and I was like, oh, if I had that business back yeah. now, what I could do with it and the knowledge that I have. But at the time, you know, it. Yeah. It was beneficial, obviously, to to make those mistakes and to learn. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot harder than people give you credit, you know, give uh, business owners credit for, especially small business owners. I mean, it's tough. It's tough yeah. to be competitive and and manage all that stuff on a day to day basis. That's right, and and you can turn mistakes into failures or successes. Um, and so that was a huge mistake, and I made a lot of mistakes with that uh, with the company and. Uh, I'll tell you one thing though, I didn't fail because I grew a lot out of that. 
um, right to the point of bankruptcy. We've almost lost our place. I, I had to sell my truck and, and all my tools and everything just to pay our bills. And I had to reevaluate myself. And so I had taken a look back at my whole life, going back to um, my childhood and where things started to fall apart. And I had realized that about age 12 is when my mom and dad split up. And I was emotionally and I'd say emotionally still a, a, a teenager because I, sure. I hadn't had that, you know, a father figure to help me develop that, uh, that side of my emotions. So I was stunted emotionally. I was stunted spiritually. I had no idea how to handle finances. Dropped out of school. You know, my parents, I've been on my own since I was 15 years old. So I had to reevaluate my own situation and then go back in time and start relearning. Like I got a bunch of books here behind me. Um, I read The Cold Hard Truth on Men, Women, and Money by um, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me put uh, um, finances in order. And from there, I took a course on handling finances and doing like household budgeting. Um, I started following Grant Cardone, who is actually really really smart when it comes to money. I don't agree with everything he says or his politics or whatever, but he is a very smart man when it comes to um, things of money. And he helped undo some myths that I had been told my whole life about having credit and having money and stuff like that. So then I started looking at my credit score, which I had destroyed being a drunk and a drug addict when I was younger, getting credit cards and racking them up and then throwing them out, you know? Um, so I've started to rebuild my credit score and, and, and grow from that. And, you know, I, I think right now I'm 45. I just turned 45 years old last week. So I'm about 45 going on 35, you know, <laughs> emotionally, spiritually, and financially now. So I am maturing. I still, I'm not quite there yet. And I don't know if I will ever be there, but uh, I'm still, a, I'm a, a lot further ahead than I was, you know, 15 years ago. And I have my mistakes to, to thank for that. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, it's important that you recognize them as a way to essentially learn, right? And not just yeah. mistakes, right? Like not just moved on and didn't gain anything from them. You know, the fact that you're able to kind of, you know, take a step back and say, okay, I made some mistakes, but you know, <laughs> this is, let's make some good come out of them. And I think that's, you know, a very important piece. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, like admitting that you made the mistake and figuring out that, you know, Hey, some good can come of this, right? Like there's lessons to be learned and everything. Like you said, you know, a mistake can be, can turn into a success or can turn into a failure. And you really have the choice every time That's you right. make one. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, either be, is it learning experience or, you know, or you just, you know, crash and burn more or less. So That's uh, right. So after the bankruptcy, I had to, again, start, start all over again. Um, so I got another job back at Great Northern Insulation doing the attic insulation. And I did that for two years and it was hell. Um, no offense if Great Northern Insulation is watching this. Great place <laughs> to work, great company, great culture, but damn, it's hot in those attics. Man, it's a young man's game. Let's say, let's just, let's say yeah. that. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and I couldn't do it. Like my knees were bad. I was going to the doctors and, you know, water on the knee, the, all that wonderful stuff that comes with being a roofer. And so I applied for a job uh, at a company called Mr. Roof Repair in Toronto. 
And remember, I had crashed my truck, lost my license, um, my driver's license, couldn't drive. I lived two and a half hours away from Toronto. But I thought, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm going to apply. So I put my resume in and the owner of Mr. Roof Repair calls me up for an interview and I go and meet him and Mrs. Zog at a coffee shop and he absolutely loves me. And I can't say that I blame him, um, <laughs> but he absolutely loves me, loves my background and, uh, and all my experience and everything. So he builds a position at his company specifically for me doing remote inside sales. And this was two years before the pandemic hit. So basically what would happen is it was a repair company and a homeowner would call either for a repair or a real estate agent or something would call to have a roof inspected and one of our roofing techs would go out and walk the roof do a repair if they had to um and take pictures with their phone this is we didn't have company cam at that time either so right. um they would take a bunch of pictures on their phone and then send the pictures back to me sitting at my desk. And what I would do is I would take all of those pictures, find everything that I could that might be wrong with that roof, calculate their net free ventilation area to make sure they have a, had a balanced um, intake and exhaust vent, check their insulation levels to make sure that their insulation was topped up. And I would do a quote to repair everything, balance their insulation or balance their ventilation and top up their insulation or give them a quote to just do an entire re-roof or certainty, you know, or, or gaff package that included the insulation. Um, Owens Corning had a good one too with their, their pink insulation and their duration shingles. So you could do everything from the ceiling up. So I would send those quotes with a Zoom link. Actually, it was to Calendly. I used Calendly back then. And um, the homeowner would get the quote in the email and book a time on my Calendly to go over the quote on zoom and i would just sit down just like this share my screen and walk them through their quote they would have a quote for a full repair or, or a full replacement or a quote for um certain repairs and i'd walk them through and and uh, help them decide what what was best now this is where a lot of people aren't getting into repairs this is where it's you can you can make a lot of money and get a lot of leads just from doing repairs because you go and re do a repair you have like shingle blow-offs or something like that you can knock like, you know, four houses across the street, two houses to either side. So you're doing repairs We're, we do inspections. We charged $149 for an inspection. We didn't do free quotes, $149 for an inspection, give you a full inspection report. And then if there's anything to repair or replace, discount that inspection price back and made a lot of money. So I was doing that and um, it was, I loved it. Like I loved talking to, um, people, they were in their offices. A lot of them in Toronto were busy professionals. They didn't have time to sit down at the kitchen table and wait for the contractor to show up and walk around on the roof. They just, bam, um, wanted, uh, wanted a quote. So I started looking at different ways to get full measurements to quote the replacements without having to rely on the tech to measure the roof for me because I found nine out of 10 times, roofers can't read a freaking tape measure. <laughs> so apart from me driving out there and measuring it myself, which I said, you know, I'm two and a half hours out of Toronto, I had to find a way to do it. So I started looking at different software options and I found roofer.com had a DIY tool. So I started using the DIY tool to um, quote all my full replacements. 
and I got really, really good at it. I am way better than Nick at Roofer <laughs> DIY. Nick Capobianco. Nicholas Capobianco. I'm better than you. Anyway, segue. Um, so I got really good at the Roofer DIY and started using that in my full estimates and also to help me calculate the NFVA for the ventilation systems and stuff like that. And I started talking to Nick and he saw that I was better than him at the DIY tools. So he reached out to me on LinkedIn. He's like, hey, Matt, I see that you're better than me at Roofer DIY. I think you need a job. And it just so happened that the company I was working for in Toronto um, was experiencing some financial difficulties. So they were laying off their employees and they laid me off at exactly the same time that Nick reached out to me for a job here at Roofer. And I call it divine intervention. A hundred percent. I feel like God's hand was in that. And uh, now I'm here. Now I'm here. And, you know, 15 years ago, I was on the streets of Toronto, drunk, playing my guitar for money. And I just spent a week in Las Vegas in Southern California last week, <laughs> thanks to roofer.com. So this company has helped me a lot, helped me grow a lot and, and, and learn a lot about the industry. So that's, so looking, that's the Coles Notes back, version of that's the Coles Notes version of how I got to go. Roofer. <laughs> looking back to when you started at Mr. Roofer, right? Um, Mr. Roof Repair, yeah. Mr. Roof Repair. When you started back there, you guys were kind of like in the begin. That was the kind of the beginning of when really technology was coming into the roofing industry, right? Because that's kind of like when about the same time that I transitioned from the field to the desk, as I call it, right? And, and came to the SaaS side of the business. And, you know, like I know in the beginning, it was a nightmare trying to get roofers to adopt technology. So were you guys using tech for that or were you manually creating all that stuff at the time? No, we had a software. It was called M Help Desk or something. It was very clunky. It didn't integrate with other yeah. softwares very well. So you, there was a lot of manual importing. Um, we used our uh, Microsoft, uh, what do you call it, 360 or something for mm -hmm. Office 360 or something. Yeah, we used Office that quite 360. a bit. Um, yeah, uh, Trello was another one that we really used for helping to move our deals down the pipeline and stuff like that. So a lot of the CRMs today have all of the features of, of Outlook and Trello and M help desk and Calendly all, all combined into one fabulous Sierra. They didn't have that back then, but even before that working for like when I had my own company and then Feeney roofing before that, it was pen and paper. Like when I had my yeah. own company, I started using Google um, just to draw an outline around the house to get the area. And then there's a, a it's called roofing calculator or something like that. And you can actually put in the square footage of the house with the pitch of the roof and it will give you the square footage of the roof. So I was doing that even in 2000, what year is this? 22. Oh, we're old. We're old. <laughs> yeah, we are. Right? <laughs> Been around a long so, time, right? <laughs> yeah. So like 2013, I guess I started using um, aerial imagery, 2014. And then I started yeah. ordering very expensive measurement reports from another company. Um, but being a new company, a new business, and not winning every single job that I quote, I couldn't fork out 60 to 70 bucks for a measurement every single time. So I yeah. quickly canceled that subscription. It's a bunch of nonsense. I would never, ever do it again. Yeah. We used edit to hear something. Edit it out. <laughs> Eagle view. Eagle view. <laughs> I hate you. We God. used to. <laughs> God. Boop. <laughs> 
boop. <laughs> Uh, no, it is very interesting though. Cause I think that, you know, we, it, when I first came to that side, so around that same time, I mean, it's, it, you guys were actually very forward thinking for that time to be able, even the fact that you were just doing it in Microsoft office or whatever you were doing, yeah. you know, the majority of the people that I talked to back then and tried to convince to get onto a roofing CRM, you know, the, the consensus was always now we're good. You know, like we've been doing it on a pen and paper, you know, piling it into this notebook for the last 25 years. And we're totally fine to continue doing it that way because we've been successful and we've made money and, you know, we don't see a need for it. Uh -oh. So it's very interesting to see, you know, just for you, I'm sure you feel the same way, like over the last couple of years to see how the embracing of technology has changed in this industry, obviously one because of COVID, right? Yeah, I think COVID kind of, I just say it kind of like kicked it in the pants, right? Like we, you know, what probably would have taken another three years happened essentially overnight because we couldn't go into houses anymore and quote, yeah. you know, we couldn't do the dog and pony show anymore. So, you know, I think it, it changed it, but just in general, I think it, it's just been kind of interesting to watch the evolution of tech and, you know, the type of tech that's been embraced and, and how yeah. some of these companies have evolved. You know, I think that, like you said, I think the only piece of technology I ever used in the field was uh, a product called Co-Construct, which at the time was a CRM project management tool for uh, contractors. And we used it and we literally only used the picture taking and the texting feature of it. You know, mm -hmm. so there was a whole, I mean, you could do essentially everything that you can do in all the roofing CRMs, you know, planning jobs and your production and everything. And we were using just this tiny piece of it because we didn't really see a need, right? Like we didn't see yeah. a need for the rest of it. And now you look at some of these businesses and how tech advanced they are. It's really mind blowing to me to see, you know, how far we've come in such a short amount of time. I mean, I've really only been on the tech side five years. So probably about yeah. the same, right? Like we've been, yeah. I, I think over here about the same amount of time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to me to see how, how much it's evolved and, you know, how people have embraced it. So. But it's amazing to me how many people have not embraced it. And exactly. it, gets, it goes back to the old <laughs> argument that I used to have with my ex father-in-law. He was a handbanger and I like the nail gun, right? So you got this guy who's been doing it the same way his whole life, twirling nails and boom, 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 won't even pick up a nail gun because he's just so set in his ways. Like, oh, no, nail gun, it blasts through the shingle, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? He uses a nail gun now. Because once you get them to actually try it and they see that, yeah, their way is good and nobody's saying that it's a bad way, but here's something that's a little bit faster um, a little bit stronger, you know, it can save you time, it can save you money, it can make you more efficient. Why not? You know, and that's the same with roofing software. You get a, a tool like Roofer, and it's another tool in your belt. You know, you can order a measurement report, create a proposal. I don't want to turn this into a, a an infomercial, but <laughs> if I had this software 10 years ago, I might still have my roofing company. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely, the things yeah. that I'm not good at, if I can't delegate, delegate them, I can automate them. And, and that's the amazing thing with technology. And like when we're moving down the line with artificial intelligence and stuff like, like I got a smartwatch here. I can't wait till this thing has artificial intelligence in it. So it wakes up and says, Hey, good morning, Matt. You didn't sleep well last night. You need to <laughs> increase your carbohydrate intake. 
You know, I want a watch that knows me and and gets to know me and adjusts accordingly. So the future of AI with roofing software is going to be amazing with drones and and, uh, you know, hail mapping and stuff like that. There's a lot of a lot of really cool stuff coming out. So contractors need to get up to date when it comes to, to technology. Yeah, well, and I think you make an important statement there in the fact that the way they're doing it, we're not saying there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. We're just saying, like, uh, you know, like I, I'm the big process guy. Like, you, I'm process. not saying the process, yeah, process, process eh? in Canada, Say process, right? eh? process in the states, right? Like, so <laughs> a big process guy, right? And, and and doesn't mean your process is broken. It just means that you know there's opportunities to improve it, right? And that's. Yeah. Like I always say to people, like, don't think of technology as being a way to change your process or to, you know, eliminate employees or anything like that. Think of it as a way to bolster your process or streamline your process or organize you better or speed things up. Like you said, you know, like, you know, obviously one of the big things here at Roofer is the ability for us to take that sales process and speed it up for you. Right. Which then gives you the ability to do so many other things. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's go quote more jobs, you know, whether it's manage your production, like you said, spend time with your family because like going right back to the reason, the whole reason my life fell apart is because my mom and dad weren't there for me. So, you know, that's where my heart is bringing my experience to roofer just to help develop the software and know what contractors want and what they need. And, and not only that, but have a heart to help dads just spend more time with their kids. Like that's, that's what I. That's where my heart is. That's why I want to help contractors get more efficient, not so they can make more money. Now we can all have that that ambition. There's nothing wrong with making money, but when our motive becomes selfless, you know, I want to have you know spend more time with my family. I want to have less time at work. That's a good motive. But if you want to save time so you can make more money, it's you really got to be careful with that. So my heart yeah. personally is to just try to get contractors to spend more time with their family. And, and I've helped quite a few and I get a lot of uplifting messages from contractors. Like there's a guy in my own hometown who would be out on the roof all day long working at the end of the day. It's like seven o'clock at night. Sun's going down. Now he's got to go measure the roof. He's done measuring. He's got to go sit at home at nine o'clock and bang out his estimates. So now he can order his report from his phone while he's sitting on the roof. and then. Once the report's in, by the time he gets home, three hours later, he a couple clicks and his estimate's done. And now he has the whole entire evening to spend with his wife and three children. And he is so thankful for that. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a huge, I think one of the most impactful things when I was on the CRM side that a contractor ever said to me was, he said, you know, this has changed my life. He goes, because I'm invoicing customers right now while I'm on the boat fishing with my son. And he said, he said, I've never would have been able to multitask and do both. And he said, and it's just, it's given me that flexibility. And he goes, it's just a game changer for me personally. Yes. Has it helped my company a hundred percent? Has it streamlined our operation a hundred percent? Has it given us the ability to go win more jobs? Sure. It's freed up time for that. He said, but ultimately at the end of the day, he's like, it's personally benefited me as the contractor more so than my company even because it's made me have the ability 
to do these things wherever I'm at, right? I don't necessarily have to be tied to an office or stuck in my truck all day, you know, and I've got extra time during the week. I can go on a Friday afternoon and go fishing with my kids or yeah, exactly. you know, go do something on the weekend where before I was probably quoting jobs or at least at home writing quotes, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting to, to see that route because I'm with you on that one, I'm obviously. You know, we both have kids and and a handful of them each. So yeah, you know, like like our families are big, and uh, you know, it's an important piece for us, obviously, to be home and spend time with them. So, mm -hmm. you know, I I kind of feel the same way. Like anything we can do to help these guys, you know, make that have that work life balance, I think, is a huge huge benefit yeah, from using products like ours. Yeah, but they can also they can also extend that over to their customers. So if a roofing contractor, let's say a homeowner needs a quote on their roof, but they have, you know, little Johnny's um, soccer game tonight. They can't sit there and wait for you. Now you can email them their quote and send a Zoom link. And while they're at little Johnny's soccer game, they can have their earbuds in and you can walk them through their quote at the soccer game. So this world that we live in is not the same as it was 15 to 20 years ago, even 10 years ago where we have the ability now to spend time with our families and meet people anywhere. We don't have to meet them at the kitchen table anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge change in the way we do things. And obviously it's a huge, it's a culture change, right? I think that all our, our entire lives are going that direction anyway. So it's interesting to, to watch, uh, you know, the roofing industry evolve and kind of, I think we've always been kind of slow to get there. Like one of the last ones, you know, to adopt things like that, but it's yeah. interesting to see it finally spilling over into the roofing industry and us, you know, like I always call it the Amazon effect, right? Like where we just, you know, oh, I need something. Oh, let me just order it, right? Like we get groceries delivered to the house now. We don't even go to the grocery store all exactly. the time. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we actually, but, we actually get our milk delivered in glass bottles again, just like they did back in the, the, the 50s, yeah. you know, and yeah, we yeah. put the empty milk bottles out at the end of the week. We swap and they collect them, them and Yeah, swap them out. So nice. we're, we're coming full circle even. In you really are. Things. Yeah, you really are. Like that level of service is coming back just in a more automated way, right? Yeah. Uh, now for for me now where 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 my story will continue after roofer um for me personally like i have on my vision board here let me turn my dream house okay that's go. that's that's a solar roof on the front on the on the porch the wraparound <laughs> porch it's a solar roof and then steel on the, the rest of it so that's my dream house we rent right now so my my uh my goal is to buy that house um on five acres five bedroom five acres and retire now, when I retire in five or six years, that doesn't mean like just not stop working. I want to go full circle and actually just do roof repairs. And I know that sounds absolutely crazy. Like, Matt, you're going to be 50 years old in five years. Why would you want to get back into roofing? I love it. I really do. I love being out there. I love helping people fix their roofs. Like, that's the turtle shell that protects the entire inside of somebody's home. And we often take it for granted because we don't see it every day, but I love, I love being up there. I love the fresh air. So um, I'd like to start my own repair company, just no employees, just me and, and, and a truck. You know, there's a local farmer that needs his, his roof replaced or roof fixed and I can go and fix it for half a cow or something, do a little barter <laughs> system. And so that's my go. goal is to, uh, to get out of the rat race and just get a little homestead and be off the grid and just work for myself until the end of my days. <laughs> so what do you think? I mean, uh, the 
sounds good to me. I mean, I'd love to do something similar, honestly. Uh, we were actually just talking about that the other day, my wife and I, you know, uh, looking at some alternative things to do in the future. Mm -hmm. But what do you see uh, as far as like the future of the roofing industry? Like, where do you think roofing is going? Like, what do you think is the next step? I know you mentioned the AI piece earlier. And we're starting to see hints of that already, I think, uh, you know, in the industry. But where do you where do you see it going like in the next, let's let's say, five years even? I think there's going to be a lot with drones. I can't say exactly what, but I think drones are going to be huge in um, in the roofing space for insurance inspections, just inspections in general. And and um, that's that's something that I'm excited to see is uh, is where where things go with drones. Like that's not just in roofing space either. You get into like Amazon doing deliveries and stuff like that. And they're right. even starting to prototype drone taxis that fly from rooftop to rooftop. So um, that's one thing um, with technology. Artificial intelligence, again, is another one being able to, you know, detect a home and, and get somebody's, you know, what their decor is like. You, you zoom in on a house and the artificial intelligence can, can see, okay, well, they have this on their house, this on their house. This would be the best color roof for them based on everything else that the, the AI can pick out. So there's going to be a lot of cool things that uh, I could see, foresee in the future. I have a, I, I read a lot of sci-fi and uh, I did a lot of acid when I was younger too. So I could sit here and go on about this forever. Like, oh yeah, man, there's going to be so many tripping things. <laughs> Virtual reality. <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely think it, it is interesting to see like where it's going to go. Right. And what's going to yeah. happen next, you know, cause I mean, just in the five or so years that I've been on this side of it to see where we are now technology wise versus where we were, like even products that have existed that long have yeah. evolved so much. Uh, you know, and their offerings are so incredible in comparison to what they were five years ago. But even outside, imagine, you know, even outside of technology. Now, I know there's been talk in Canada. I don't know about the U.S., but there's been talk about banning three tab shingles because of their environmental impact and the amount of shingles in landfill because they don't stay on the roof that long. And they may potentially down the road do that with all asphalt shingles so that, you know, we have steel and, and solar. So there's that different materials, environmentally friendly materials. There's the Euro Shield. You know they got that rubber uh, cedar shake looking shingle that's fantastic. But the problem with these new materials that are coming out, solar shingles and and new innovations in steel and rubber shingles, is they cost a lot of money. So I can foresee a lot of jobs being financed in the future. Financing is huge. Absolutely. It's a one way to recession proof your business and to sell these high end products. And uh, so I think the financing is the future. And that even goes for the insurance model. Like I'm seeing more and more, uh, you know, it's taking longer for roofing contractors to collect money from carriers. So I'm seeing more, more financing roofs, even insurance jobs, finance the job, the contractor gets paid, and then the homeowner gets the money from the carrier and either uses that to pay off the loan or take a trip. You know what I mean? So I, I foresee a lot more financing, uh, a lot more high-end, um, long-lasting shingles being sold. And, you know, I think that's that's a good thing because when you have roofs that they last 10 or 15 years, they're, they're filling up landfill, first of all. But it's harder to license these things, like the, the contractors. We have no licensing in Ontario. And we have guys that are just going out and banging on shingles, calling themselves roofers. And these roofs are lasting five or six years. So when you 
push to have more high-end products like solar roofing, steel roofing, and stuff like that, it forces more people to actually get licensed because you can't just have chucking a truck going out and slapping on shingles. You actually need to know how to install a high-end roof, like an electrician or a plumber. Like, you're not going to just hire some unlicensed electrician or plumber. You know, your house is going to burn down. It's going to be full of shit. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Nobody wants either one. A royal flush is better than (laughs) a full house. (laughs) Exactly. That's a plumber joke. (laughs) A plumber joke. joke. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of different things I can foresee down the road. But for me, I foresee me sitting on that wraparound porch with a a pipe. I'm not going to tell you what's in the pipe, but sitting there with a pipe in my mouth. enjoying the rest of my days so there you go (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's a great story and you've obviously come a long way and you know a success story for sure you know i think there's a number of them in the the roofing industry i know a couple other people that i've talked to with similar backgrounds that have you know been able to to do some amazing things in this industry and continue to to grow in the industry and do other things you know uh you know becoming authorities on roofing you know and i think like you've done that, you know, you've kind of staked your claim to the roofing industry, which is great. And, uh, you know, obviously something to be proud of, right. From, like you said, from where you came 15 years ago to, you know, us being at a show together in Las Vegas last week, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a big change. Right. So, and I walked um, out of there up 600% <laughs> on the penny slots. right? Yeah, on the I spent slots. a dollar and I, yeah. I made enough to buy an expensive Vegas cup of coffee. There you go. Maybe, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you coming on and telling your story, Matt. And I think that it's a great one for everybody to kind of, uh, you know, listen in on and, and, and learn a little bit more about you. And, you know, like I said, you're a well-known character in the roofing industry and on social. So I'm sure that, yeah. uh, you know, people will be excited to, to hear the backstory yeah. and really learn the, the real Matt Radford. So That's, yeah. Uh, and thanks for having me on. And, and one takeaway from this is, don't let your mistakes define your success. They can define your failures, but mistakes, you need to make mistakes to be successful. If you'd fail to learn from your mistakes, they become failures. So learn from your mistakes, grow from your mistakes, and that's where you find success. I still make a lot of mistakes as a husband, as a father, as an employee of this company, um, just as a human being in general. But I learn from them most of the time. Sometimes I repeat them because those mistakes, they're just too enjoyable. Like I'll give you a, a, an example. My wife made two pumpkin pies for my birthday on Friday. I ate both of them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not learning from that mistake because I'm going right. to do it again. Thanksgiving, again Canadian Thanksgiving time, right? is this weekend. So there's oh, going to be more pie. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, Matt. And I really appreciate you coming on uh, great. Like I said, great story. And that is a great takeaway. You know, obviously I think that's something that lots of people could learn from for sure. You know, cause I think too often people dwell on the mistakes and that's really what drags them down. So, uh, you know, take advantage of the mistake. We're all going to make them right. Like you said, we still all make them every day. So learning from them and capitalizing on them to, to may turn it into a positive is the best thing you can do. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so right. thank you. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, you know, until next time, guys, uh, join us on the Roofer podcast. We, we hope that you enjoyed listening in and you got some good takeaways here and we will see you next time.